Hello, you are listening to the Ghostlight Podcast for Season 2, Episode 1 of Slings and Arrows. And normally there'd be music here, but let's wait for a moment on that. I am Paul Mackey, your expert on the series, and I am joined by newbies, uh, Ben Pfeiffer. Hello. Amy Bowen. Hello. And... And my lovely wife, Darcy, is not joining us tonight. Her new job has her on location. This is the new job that had the show on nearly the two-month hiatus while our household turned upside down. Uh, Darcy was previously providing licensed child care from our house, and now she works in a retail store. Um, so as you can imagine, with the daycare situation for our own children and uh, all the rest of the scheduling needs, we, uh, we certainly had a, a, a time getting back up and running. So uh, I do apologize for the, uh, the hiatus that we had. Um, she's now working in a retail store in d- design, restoration, and alterations for Treasured Garment Restoration. That's the name of the company. And oh. tonight and tomorrow night, uh, or tonight and all, the, all day tomorrow, actually, she's working at an event called Brides Against Breast Cancer. Uh, it's a benefit where women who have just married donate their once-worn wedding dresses and event, ad- event, atten- event attendees uh, buy them with all proceeds to benefit breast cancer research. Uh, Darcy's there to provide any alterations that can be done on site. So this is the two days of the event locally, but it is a nationwide program, so listeners can find out about upcoming events in their area by going to bridesagainstbreastcancer.org. Uh, has everyone else had an okay time during the hiatus? Yep, I have. I wish I could say I was planning on saying I used my hiatus time to read Hamlet. But all I can say is I read. I used my hiatus time to read Hamlet up to Act Three, Scene One, right up to the "to be or not to be" soliloquy, and then I had other activities that got in the way. Ah, that's. But I tried, the, and I will the. get back to it eventually. Well, we'll see if that becomes necessary uh, during the uh, second season here. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Amy, you also had a solo episode that is the uh, most recent until this one hits the feed. It's, uh, I don't believe as of this actual recording time it is up, but it yeah. shall, shall be up soon. Um, right. The files have been posted to our, to our service. Okay, great. So by the time people listen to this, they will have already listened to your bonus episode. <laughs> uh, yep. Which which Ben has not heard, so I can't. We can't. Really, I have not. No, I'm very curious. We can't actually discuss it, I suppose. No, please okay, don't. Spoilers. No okay, spoilers. Great. I say anything. All right. I went to a Halloween party yesterday where a guy had tick marks all over his face, and I couldn't place it. And he said he was being chased by the silence. Of course. So, Spo- spoilers made me think of Doctor Who. Sorry. Of course, <laughs> spoilers. Indeed. Um. All right. Well, we'll get down to the regular business in a moment. But first, uh, hey, Ben. Yes. What big change did you notice while watching this episode really fairly early on? Uh, well, other than the fact that everyone has aged slightly. <laughs> yes, other than uh, that? Uh, that. Well, the biggest change that I noticed was that uh, Rachel McAdams was listed as special appearance. Hmm. And, uh, and oh, oh, the, the um, theme song has changed. The theme song has changed. Yes, indeed, the theme song for the show has changed. Gone is the season one Cheer Up Hamlet, replaced by a song called Mackers. Right. Uh, It's very interesting because they never say a certain name in this song. Indeed. Well, we'll set aside the in-show meaning of that decision. 
until our in-depth run-through. But first, I would like to thank the Brobdenagian Bards, and specifically Mark Gunn, for, this, for the suggestion of and permission for use of their song, or Hamlet, during our first season. Which brings us to the theme song for this episode, and this season. And here it is, right now. Macbeth is crazy, Lady Macbeth is sexy, King Duncan is silly, Prince Malcolm's a dolly, Banquo's got an apple, Macduff finds Duncan dead. Macbeth is crazy, Lady Macbeth is sexy, King Duncan is silly, Prince Malcolm's a dolly, Banquo's got an apple, Macduff finds Duncan dead. Three witches dangle the throne right before Macbeth's eyes. The result is he does lots of crazy things. Lots of crazy he things. kills King Duncan and his good friend Banquo, all because he wants his kids to be kings. And Lady Macbeth is an instigator. She acts her husband on. She lies there in the bath so hungry for For a little while, but he's driven slowly mad. He's haunted by the ghosts of those he's slain. He goes back to the witches. They say to wear Macduff. So Macduff's wife and child are killed with great pain. Macbeth is crazy. Lady Macbeth is sexy. Duncan is silly. Prince Malcolm's a dolly. Banquo's got an apple. Macduff finds Duncan dead. Out on the battlefield, Macbeth hears a scream. His loving wife is dying. In a battle with Macduff, Macbeth fights and loses. Macbeth is going to the other side. Macbeth is going to the other. Macbeth is crazy. Lady Macbeth is sexy. King Duncan is silly. Prince Malcolm's a dolly. Banquo's got an apple. Macduff finds Duncan dead. Macbeth is crazy. Lady Macbeth is sexy. Duncan is silly. Prince Malcolm's a dolly. Banquo's got an apple. Macduff finds Duncan dead. Okay, to all of you who just thanked me for the earworm, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yep, that is an earworm. But is this, a good choice. Is this the same people who did the theme song to our first episode? Or is uh, this... this is not the Brobdingnagian Bards, no. Ah. Um, this song was uh, called Macbeth on Broadway, and it is by Jonathan Mann. Uh, written just after seeing Ellen coming as Macbeth this past spring, something that uh, I gotta confess I'm rather intensely jealous of. Oh, totally. <laughs> uh, so he saw Macbeth on Broadway, and this is his uh, his interpretation of what he had just seen. Um, Jonathan Mann has been making a song a day since January first, two thousand nine, and this is one of those. Wow. Uh, when Darcy and I finished our first watch of this episode, uh, when she, well, her first watch and my first rewatch, she got right down to Google Foo, and this was the fifth song that we found. But uh, we knew it was the right one. And uh, one, me- one email out that night yielded a response the next morning uh, saying, I love slings and arrows. Use it. Excellent. Uh, if you are listening, thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, John. Thanks, man. The uh, website, uh, his website is Jonathan Mann with two N's. 
J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-A, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-M-A-N-N.net. Some reason I get all twisted up on saying those letters all in a row, but what uh, you mean? J o n a t h a n m a n n dot net, something like that. <laughs> yep, you got it, man. <laughs> um, and uh, I think a majority of his songs are posted on YouTube. This one, if anyone wants to see the music video, which is actually quite worth seeing. This one is song 1609-1609, Macbeth on Broadway. Um, so I recommend if anybody wants to uh, go check out the music video. It is, uh, it is worth seeing. All right, well, before we get started, of course, we've got to give a uh, summary for the episode. And uh, as I mentioned, the, the source for summaries that I had had, had seemed to have petered out. Uh, I've, uh, I've since discovered other summaries that work. However, we were t- contemplating the 60-second challenge as uh, has been presented on the Ramjack podcast and on the Intro to X podcast. So um, I decided to reach out to the folks over at the Ramjack and got the response that one of them, uh, Alex Green, is interested in doing the first 60-second challenge for us for this episode. Oh, nice. And uh, we will listen to that right now. Hi guys, this is Alex. You might know me from such podcasts as Enumeration and Ramjack. On the latter, my co-host and I routinely watch television or movies and then take a minute to play a game. Yes, we pit ourselves against a clock, squeezing as much as we can into a 60-second summary. Whoever can get the closest to a minute without going over wins. And let me tell you, it is very difficult. Paul told me you guys are going to start doing this on Ghostlight, so I thought I would volunteer to do the first recap myself. That is right. I am about to put a minute on the clock and then summarize, to the best of my ability, Season's End, the first episode of the second season of Slings and Arrows, which was also the very first episode I ever watched of the series, and it helped me fall in love with it. So here we go. Here we go. Guys, it actually helps to take just a second of your own time, maybe off air, unlike how I'm doing it right now, because it is a chore. And let me tell you, the longer the episodes you get, the worse it is. 30-minute shows, sure, you can do that in a minute easy. But 40-minute shows? A two-hour movie? All right, so just give me a second. I'll count myself in, and on action, we'll get this going. Three, two, one, action. So it's the last night of the company's Hamlet production. Kids in the audience from the schools don't really care, and old people are dying left and right. Uh, the director's giving notes all throughout intermission. Um, he tells Hamlet's mom she needs to start uh, portraying Ophelia's death a little bit differently, more like it was her who killed her, which is awesome. It's wonderful direction, and it's great, but other actors aren't so keen on him giving them direction during the show. The show wraps up. We find out Rachel McAdams' character was proposed to by the guy who plays Hamlet, and he's going off to Hawaii with this weird actress girl to be in a movie um but, but is she gonna say yes she's gonna say no she doesn't know at the same time um hamlet's mother is uh quarreling with the director they start making out it's weird because they used to be together there's a witch who comes in at the very uh end of the uh play that tells them hey guess what i, I really like that it was cool you kind of phoned it in but i'd love if you did Macbeth." And Macbeth was the one play that the dead director always wanted to do, and there's a whole bunch of confrontation or conflict because um, the uh, company's losing money and they're losing sponsors left and right. So uh, Ham 
So Macbeth may be a way to get that money back because a wonderful actor who they've been waiting for is finally uh, available to come in and um, do the show. So after a long time, the director decides they're going to do Macbeth and they're going to make it work even if they have to go with limited budgets. Also, Rachel McAdams' character is spirited away by the actor because he decides to choose love over the life of a down-and-out, never-lived actress. I did it! And the clock says 1 minute and 33 seconds. Blasted. But let this be a warning to you. This is not an easy task, guys. Also, the show is 40-something minutes long. I mean, to get that into a minute, that is a lot of asking. And I'm a veteran at this point. I do recaps all the time with television shows, week to week. So it's, oh, it's a, it's, it's a tough game. It's a tough game, but I'll be listening. I'll be keeping, I'll be keeping an eye on you guys to make sure you do it right. And with that, I hope you enjoy the show. Well, thanks, Alex. Yes, thank you very much, Alex. Again, that is uh, the his uh, podcast that we were uh, referring to here with the 60-second challenge is the Ramjack podcast at www.curiosityabounds.com forward slash Ramjack. Just slash. Just slash, yes, which is a gag from Ramjack as well. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, so 133. Uh not exactly a minute. Uh, when I did uh, participate uh, a, a few weeks ago, uh, more like a couple of months ago, at the uh, Intro to X podcast, I, uh, I think I clocked in at uh, near or possibly even over two minutes on mine. So uh, oh, it is it is definitely a, it is definitely a challenge. And if you start thinking too much about what you're doing uh, or, or what the details are, you can uh, can get lost in there somewhere. All right. All right. Yeah. So the the mark has been set at one thirty three. Eh? That's it's the closest without going over, if I remember. So who can do it the best in the next five episodes? Yes, we'll see. We shall see. Um. All right. So. Um. Anybody have uh, anything to uh, begin with? Uh. About uh, concerning the episode itself. Nope. I have quite a few notes, but they're all tied to particular scenes. Oh, right. Very good. I would say um, that I think just based on this one episode that maybe the season's going to be slightly tighter and not as loose as the first season was, which is a good thing, I think. Sure. And uh, and it's it's very obvious that there's been a year and a half between two seasons. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, well, as we, ex- as we discussed in the last episode of season one, season one ended in December of 2003, and season two premiered in June of 2005. The original run was meant to be self-contained, and, uh, you know, ended, wrapped up fairly well, and the second se- season was commissioned, not like a typical American season, you know, during the run, but uh, after the first series was completed, and seasons two and three were also co-produced by Sundance Channel, uh, not IFC, as I got wrong during the last episode. So I'm confused, then. Did the creators of the show try to sell it after the fact, or did Sundance approach them and say, hey, we love what you did with this, why don't you do it more? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exactly clear on exactly what the uh, ins and outs on the business end were, but I do know that... Uh, Season one aired both on the uh, the Canadian uh, movie network as well as the Sundance Channel before they uh, started up seasons two and three, and th- those were all a co-production. So I assume that uh, after both networks had aired it, they came to some manner of business arrangement to uh, to fun- finance the uh, the next two seasons. Hmm. 
Uh, but I, I, I tried to do a lot of searching around. I couldn't really find anything other than a lot of people saying season one aired on Sundance Channel, and then was the seasons two and three were also co-produced by them. So, right, which is what I'm saying now. <laughs> Rachel McAdams followed the first season by making Mean Girls and The Notebook during 2004, and was, in my opinion, gracious enough to appear in this episode instead of getting the off-screen push-off that Jennifer Irwin got. Oh, which one was Jennifer Irwin? The uh, other lady? That, that would be Holly, yes. Oh, Holly, okay. Yes. Well, I thought about that as I was watching this. I was like, you know, they're not really mentioning Holly, and I guess they kind of tied that up at the end of the last season with Richard telling her to fuck off, basically. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it was necessary that she appear again, and I, I don't know whether they were unable to get her and therefore it was written that way or whether they just, you know, agreed with what you, th- with what you just said, which is that she, he, she was pretty much done right. as it was. Uh, I don't think it spoils anything or surprises anyone to say that uh, that Holly is not going to be back this season. No, not surprised at all. Uh, so unless anyone has other discussion points, which I already asked you, so uh, we'll begin the recap. <laughs> Uh, we open on a stern, but as it turns out, ineffectual teacher lecturing his students um, at, as the camera shows in the first shot, the final show of the season. Yeah, was this a high school class or... I've got to assume so. Adult literacy class, because those kids look like they're in their 30s. <laughs> that, that's, that's TV for you. That often <laughs> yeah, happens. Right. That often happens, yes. Uh, Jeffrey and Naomi watch the house, commenting that the end of the run is not always... Avid theater goers like the earlier part of the run, and as they're commenting, Nayum points out an older patron, speaks inspiringly until she apparently uh, expires. <laughs> and that is the end of the cold open, actually. Uh, and then there, that follows with the uh, song Mackers, which is, uh, I suppose, mildly spoilery, considering that <laughs> the, uh, the season that we heard Jeffrey jot off was completely different, as well as it. I don't believe that that's the season that Holly and Richard had put together either. Correct. Um, sometime during the run of Hamlet, they uh, apparently got together and and uh, made a less half-assed attempt at a uh, season than what uh, what uh, Jeffrey was forced into during this first season of the show. I did notice, though, and I mentioned it briefly, but uh, I don't know if you're going to cut that part out, but uh, it is listed as special appearance by Rachel McAdams, so it kind of Right in the opening title sequence, you know, okay, well, she's one and done. But, you know, if they were doing, like, um, uh, like uh, trailers or whatever, like, you know, this is coming back, then I'm sure they were advertising that she wasn't going to be there very long. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they were. I, I, don't, I don't really know the promotionals because I, uh, I did pick this up on DVD after the, after the entire after running fact, of the, everything. Um, so, yeah, the new series, new song. First intro to the concept of the Macbeth curse, which we already had unexpectedly hit on in season one. Yeah, we did. Uh, and I, uh, you know, pretty much uh, tried to downplay as much as I could because, because uh, hey, yeah, uh, it was coming up in season two. <laughs> yeah. Right. I do like the idea. I mean, I don't know if we're gonna. Eh, we can talk about it now. But I do like the idea that they're doing a play a season, sort of, so to speak, and. We'll get to it a little bit more definitely in this episode, but I think that's going to follow the same kind of tropes that they did in the first episode. And like bits of Hamlet could be reflected in the cast and the story of Slings and Arrows. I imagine that bits of Macbeth will also kind of be peppered throughout the lives of these characters. Sure. Uh, in fact, I think we've probably already seen one. I don't know if anybody picked up on that yet. 
What do you mean? No, I don't know what you're referring to. Okay, well, I'll let it go then. Okay. <laughs> I know that we'll see one for sure. I, I, as far as the cold open, there was one? No, there wasn't anything in the cold open. We, have, we haven't reviewed any of it yet. Okay. Um, so and now uh, after the cold open... Richard is meeting with the head of St. Roque Water, or uh, St. Rook, St. Roque Water, a uh, character that uh, is not directly named here, but I can say is named Mr. Archer. Uh, he's played by Peter Kelligan, or Kelligan. Um, he is a TV and film actor born in Montreal who attended York University in Toronto, had a couple of small parts uh, in the 80s and early 90s on Cheers and Seinfeld. And uh, if anybody is uh, anybody in the United States has watched the Red Green Show, I know that it airs quite a bit on our local PBS affiliate here in Minnesota. Uh, he is Ranger Gord in uh, in the majority of that se- that series. He looks familiar, but I didn't recognize anything you just said. So yes. Also, uh, either concurrent or just after Slings and Arrows, he was also in Niag- the film Niagara Motel. Uh, with Catherine Fitch, who plays Maria, the stage manager. Uh, I confess that, you know, I saw the movie. I don't remember it real well, other than the uh, the rest of the all-star cast. You know, the, the rest of the cast was kind of all-star cast, including uh, Carolyn Davernus from Wonderfalls, Anna Friel from Pushing Daisies, and uh, Kevin Pollack, the comedian, and Craig Ferguson, the uh, the talk show host, were all in that movie together. Interesting. Um, very Canadian movie. Yes, very <laughs> Canadian, that movie. Uh, Niagara Motel is, of course, set uh, near Niagara Falls uh, and, of course, shot in Winnipeg. Okay, that doesn't make any sense, but that's the truth. <laughs> that, that is the truth. It was shot in Winnipeg and set near Niagara Falls. Um, right, so, uh, clearly, Cosmopolitan Lens Trex has departed and the festival is in trouble. And Richard then finds that the water company is cutting their funding in half as well. Uh, but the guy wants onto the board because he says he might be able to help. Yep. Right. And when I when I heard that line, I thought, okay, so this is our replacement for Holly for this season. Hmm? So I, we'll see how that works out. I heard and thought that as well. But then Richard says something later on, which leads me to believe that maybe not. That, so, Richard, okay. that Richard might have learned his lesson on that. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I don't really know when it comes in, but, it, uh, well, we'll talk about it, yes. I guess. Sure thing. Um, but anyway, the guy the guy wants onto the board. He says he can help. Um, and uh, anything else on that scene? Uh, yep. Yes? Uh, one of the lines in this scene, I hope I'm not stealing a quote. You theater guys have to decide, says Mr. Archer, whether you're a business or a charity. And I wanted to blurt out the smart-ass response, Well, they say there's no business like show business. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, lame joke. But here's an honest reply. Well, there are pros... Go ahead, Sure, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to... I also wrote in response to that, Well, I suppose there are pros and cons to each approach, and you can't be all one or all the other, really. Right. I mean, that was was Holly's refrain that... uh, these people uh, need to realize that it is a business, I think she said, something along the, in that general tone. Yeah, I think she did. And, um, yeah, this is not what I, this scene was not what I predicted for the next season at all. I predicted the continuation of the um, battle between Holly and everyone else from last season, but nope, 
Of course, yes. Nope, apparently, uh, apparently Holly just uh, decided that bur- bridge was burnt and burned it. Um, back at the show, the kids are throwing pennies and cell phones are ringing. Uh, oh, for- I didn't catch the cell phones ringing. Yes. Interesting. There are cell phones ringing, kids throwing pennies, poor Frank. I do have a note that says, who the fuck throws pennies? <laughs> <laughs> I, that, that was actually my response to that scene, too. I thought, what is with the throwing pennies? Is right, this a weird. thing? I wasn't aware that this was a thing that people did. It's, it's got to come from, uh, from Susan Coyne or Bob Martin's uh, experience with the theater, uh, possibly ah. Bob Martin. Right. Oh, I bet you that that is comes from a real life experience. Except that uh, if they just like threw the coins without the teacher saying it, it, no one would get it. But the fact that the teacher says it and then it happens it makes it feel slightly awkward. I a think. little bit, but I guess if you just heard the sound, you would be like, "What? What's happening? What the I don't hell know, is happening? Yeah, something exactly. falling off the off the uh, lighting rigs or something?" Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, it was a bit. So. So yeah. The the. the the pennies are going, and the cell phones are ringing, and uh, poor Frank takes a penny to the face. <laughs> poor Frank. Uh, and uh, Jeffrey is still giving notes, which is a bit ludicrous, really. I mean, I, it, I mentioned, we mentioned during the uh, last episode of the previous season that after opening, uh, well, after rehearsals end, the director is pretty much uh, off limits in terms of giving notes, especially during a performance. And, and who's he giving notes to at this scene? Uh, Both Ellen and Frank and Cyril. Yes, and and as well as other various, uh, you know, bat- behind the scenes players and everything. He's, he's he cautions someone about uh, use use of the word word rhubarb. Yeah, use cabbage instead. Yeah. So uh, when he's talking to Ellen, though, it doesn't something. Isn't she preoccupied with something else right beforehand? Yes. I don't think, I don't think I'm jumping the gun here. Uh, I. Th- She's on the phone with yes. Sloane. No, yeah, she is on the phone okay. with Sloane, yes. Which, to me, I wrote down, damn, Sloane is still here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So he made it to the next season. He made it to the next season. Yeah. Only just, as it turns out later on, not to jump too far ahead. Right. Well, I did mark down, at least off-camera, because he was only on a phone, so technically I didn't know he was back for sure yet. Yes. And uh, and Jeffrey gives uh, some fairly specific and detailed uh, notes for for Ellen, especially considering it's the last performance, and she is understandably uh, extremely frustrated by this. Yeah, so I guess that is just poor form, right? Yes, on Jeffrey's part. Oh yes, definitely. I mean, to me, like I was watching it as someone who's not really that experienced, especially in the behind the scenes of the theater world. Like I thought it was kind of cool because it shows that Jeffrey's super passionate about uh, the arts and wants to continually perfect it and and change its slight nuances here or there, or whatever. But I guess that's just it. Yeah. Kind of sucks uh, from an actor standpoint if you're being told multiple things or different things all the time. Yeah, and I think I think to some extent this is uh, again to uh, to 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 grab the uh, the viewers that are starting up with just in this season with hadn't seen the previous season, uh, giving them a sense of what this show might be about or what the uh, what the process is like um, to some extent. But they do also play it as as uh, Jeffrey is uh, you know per, uh, behaving ludicrously for a for a director. They they sort of do both. They they show they show some process and they show sort of the uh, the detail that you get more of during the first season sort of encapsulated into this first episode mm-hmm. yeah yeah and jeffrey it's the last performance 
it could you couldn't have thought of this before now well of course he's probably seen all the performances and he probably keeps thinking about the willow speech but no other director would bring that up with the actress only jeffrey would another director would just go oh man it would have been so cool if i could have told the actress playing gertrude that this that i had this idea about this interpretation of the text but it's too late now. It's already the last episode, and she's set in her ways. Yes, it's and, the last last performance. I mean, and, the last yes, performance. Uh, indeed, yeah. indeed. And um, I mean, most directors, unless they're uh, getting on in years or, or 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 fear they may be hit by a pig truck, would probably uh, <laughs> have a chance to come around a second time on on the play, as uh, Oliver almost did. Mm-hmm. So uh, you just just uh, file it away for the next time you're exposed to the uh, the show as a director, perhaps. Um, Meanwhile, it uh, it turns out that Jack is going directly to shooting his next movie after this, and he wants Kate to come with. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and so Jack is fat now. Jack is or is, older, <laughs> older, or has put on a put put on a little bit of uh, extra layers there. I, I did notice he, as well. He's probably the most dramatic change in appearance, I think, and I think it's because he now has like a little turkey gobbler that he didn't have in the first season. Yes. You know, he's got he's got a little neck fat, I guess, mm. or whatever. And I think yeah, they're trying to cover it up with that five o'clock shadow, which looked like it was sprayed on. Yes. What stuck out, I'll tell you what stuck out to me. I, I do not have your eye for these things, Ben, so thank you for your insight. <laughs> Here's how I, what stuck out to me was, oh, he decided to grow a goatee to be Hamlet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was a, I thought it was part of the show. Right, right. No, I just don't know. It just—it was very obvious that it's kind of like you know how in Star Wars between Episode mm. Four and Five, Mark Hamill has a dramatic change in <laughs> appearance. Yep. I mean, his was caused by like a motorcycle accident, oh, but I mean, it was almost kind of you know. Mm-hmm. That's right. He was in an accident. Right. Well, that's why they had to write that uh, snow monster scene. That's to why explain the why he has. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, but Luke Kirby, I think, just uh, possibly has overindulged over the last couple of years. Well, he looks like he... I forget how this works, but I know when people who do heroin stop doing heroin, or some, <laughs> or, or maybe it's coke, I forget which drug it is, but they get bloated, like, right after the fact. So he may be on a detox period. I mean, that's what it kind of looked to me. It kind of looked like he was having, like, the, the after effects of coming off some drug. And I don't know that. He could just, you know, been a year and a half and plumped up a little bit. Could be. Uh, or it could be that uh, that other thing that happens to you in your 20s, which is uh, you suddenly, uh, your your metabolism goes, oh, oh yeah. I, I'm not going to work anymore at uh, this whole growing up thing, and now we're just going to grow out. Uh, and here's 50 pounds, right, to start off with. <laughs> yes. Um, next, we meet Brian, who is playing Claudius. Uh, this is the actor Leon Pownal, or Pownal. I don't know how to pronounce it, actually. Uh, he did many various parts in uh, Canadian television and film, but his main acting credits are on the stage. Uh, guess where? <laughs> at the Stratford Shakespeare Festival. Uh, 15 seasons at the Stratford Shakespeare Festival, including a position as the associate director of the festival in 1992. Oh, wow. Um, IMDb lists him as uncredited cast for every episode of season one, but I have my doubts as to whether he was actually there. I think IMDb might have that incorrect. Yeah, were they trying to explain that he was in the background? Well, I mean, because, I mean to me, he's completely brand new. Yeah. 
And Claudius was on screen, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't the actor that we saw on screen for Claudius. Not, not when we were watching the flashbacks. Oh, what? Well, you the, mean yeah, the, the present day scenes? The present day scenes. So when uh, when they were in rehearsal and uh, and uh, Claudius and Polonius are behind the settee during the uh, "to be or not to be" speech. Oh yeah. Right. Was that this actor? That's supposed to be. I don't. I do not. I did not actually go back and look, but I'm pretty darn sure it wasn't. I'm pretty darn sure it was not either. Yes. Uh, so uh, Brian's enjoying some uh, early celebratory libations. Uh, this still being in intermission. Uh, and he clearly has his uh, friction with Jeffrey, in this case about Jeffrey continuing to give notes. But uh, Maria comes through and reveals that, in fact, that the notes are not allowed in any case. And Brian points out that it is the union's rule. This is very interesting to me. That means either Maria or Brian either is the union rep or is just very familiar with union rules. I, I believe. Think, yeah, I think Maria is the union rep. I thought she may be the union rep, or she. I, I believe it is uh, her responsibility to make sure that uh, the production is adhering to all the rules. Because she did that last time, right? Yeah, she was the she, one who called she the called time. Called out on um, the dude who wanted Darren. to do the carpet. Yeah, Darren. Uh, she pulled the union card on him as well. Yeah, well, she she just mentioned that it was five o'clock, and he said, "Fucking unions, we got to be done." So right, yeah. So, so Brian drinking in the middle of the show before the show's over is that not considered bad luck, or is that just whatever? I'm not sure if it's considered bad luck. I think it's bad form, but I think it happens all the time. Really, I think oh. uh, possibly not possibly not champagne and 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 out, out in the open, but possibly a little nip in the dressing room in between uh, acts. Right. Nips, I can understand, but champagne is celebratory to yeah. a good job. It's like, you know, saying mission accomplished before the war's over. You yes. Know? Yes. Well, Brian has uh, decided that this is, this is to be, uh, you know, sort of skated through this last uh, episode, the last uh, performance anyhow. Right, right. Uh, and we get uh, the on-screen performance of the Willow speech. Um, so which I wrote down, like anytime there's like a movie or uh, or a television show that's about putting on some kind of piece of art, that's more about the fact that they're putting it on. It it's always seems weird when you actually see what they've been trying to do and it's supposed to be this amazing thing and it rarely ever is. And it, I just felt like this scene kind of st- – stuck out like a sore thumb to me personally i don't know if you all like when jack did hamlet in the first season that was a little bit more consistent i guess and i think this kind of plays to the point that the that the uh that the episode is trying to make that the uh, director and writers are trying to make which is that uh at the end of the season everything isn't as you know isn't as artful and isn't as uh grand as uh as that opening um so i think you do notice i think it is more noticeable i mean i it's still uh, rehearsal clothes, bare stage, you know, it's, it's the same basic design concept as it was during the first season, but I think they're, they're not doing as much to, uh, to use camera work and, uh, and angles and, and things like that to gussy it up. It's, it's, it's a little flat. Maybe that's it, yeah. It's a flatter, yeah. a flatter yeah. staging. The camera's not moving. I think it was one take too. Like, yeah. There's no cut. I don't think. Not that there was any cut during Jack's. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a cut. I think there's a cut. Yeah. There's a cutaway to Jeffrey in the in the wings watching. But other than that, I don't. I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a. On uh, on Jack's performance or on this performance. On this performance. Oh, okay. Um, and, all right. So he's he's definitely still wrapped rapidly watching in the uh, in the wings. And uh, we go from that to uh, Richard wrapping up his lunch meeting. Uh, Mr. Archer has already moved on, I suppose. He's on the phone with Anna, 
and she reveals that Henry Breedlove is ready, according to his agent. Although we do not know just yet how that is significant, but it's a, it's it's a, you know it's very obvious uh, the way mm. Richard reacts that this is a this is a much sought after uh, actor most likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show ends and uh, Jeffrey chats briefly with Jack, and they are interrupted by Moira. Uh, Moira is a witch, <laughs> according to Jeffrey. And, uh, That's pretty uh, blatant, right? I, I might have mentioned that earlier in the uh, ah, in this episode. That's <laughs> what you were referring to. Okay. Yeah. So um, this is Jackie Burroughs, and she had a has uh, well had a long and varied career. She has uh, since passed on, uh, but she had a long and varied career, including lots of stage work, including Stratford. Uh, she was only at Stratford for three seasons. But she was in. Uh, she did voice work in the movie Heavy Metal, and oh really? And I she love was that movie. and she was in the Dead Zone, the uh, original Christopher Walken version, the movie version. Also awesome. Uh, appeared in the Megan Follows 1985 Anne of Green Gables, and the later Avonlea series as well with Sarah Pauly. Interesting. And she's done ton. She had done tons of voice work and other guest spots on television series as well. Um, so uh, yeah, she's a well steeped in Canadian television, and uh, and the Anne of Green Gables I think aired quite a bit on PBS and possibly Disney Channel, and I know that Avonlea was a, a regular series on Disney Channel as well as CBC. Was Sarah Polly Anne and Anne of Green Gables? Uh, no, that Anne and Anne of Green Gables was Megan Follows. Okay, uh, that was that was quite a bit before Sarah Polly would have been able to perform uh, any significant roles, I believe. Right. Uh, well, she was born was, in the 70s. Well, she was born in the 70s. At 85, she would have still been... Oh, oh 85 is when that was. Okay. Yeah, no, but Megan Follows was a, was a Canadian actress that uh, that was... Uh, I, I think she I, she's one of those actresses that that, uh, that played 15 well into her 20s and on into her 30s almost. Uh, you know, 15, oh, so she 15, was 16, lucky. 17. Yeah. Blessed. Blessed, yes. Um... Yeah, and then the later Avonlea series was completely separate production, and that that had Sarah Pauly as as uh, as the main character. But to go back to this witch, yes, back, uh, back to Moira. So when she appeared and mentions that she would like to see Macbeth, yes, happen. yes, Moira starts off with a litany of frustrations about this uh, particular performance and says that it's it does well enough and that Hamlet's easy. Moves mm-hmm. on to discuss the Macbeth that he'll do, mm-hmm. right. Which, to which, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, to which he insists insists to Nayum is not part of the season. And I wrote down that it's interesting that this is this is what really turned me on to the fact that obviously Macbeth was going to be the play of this season, and that they were going to do the same kind of mirroring throughout. Obviously, because yes. Macbeth is famous for having the three witches, right? Or the I know in one scene when they do the boil, boil, toil, and trouble, that involves three witches. Yes, there's a couple. Yes, and I think there's a ghost in Macbeth too. Uh, there, there is. is. There is. Plays into Oliver, so it could. Yes, I'm looking forward to this scene. I uh, this season. I mean, for exactly those reasons, and I agree that this is going to have a lot of connection between Macbeth and the season, most likely. Which means I need to bone up on it again. It is one of the ones I did read in high school, but I probably need to read it again. And in re- by the way, uh, in response to this scene, I one of the things Moira said, as you were saying, Paul, was 
you can't go wrong with Hamlet. And I thought, sure you can. Imagine if Oliver had directed it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, right? It would have been a bloated corporate piece of crap. (laughs) Yeah. And when when she said Macbeth, I actually actually shouted, you asshole, at the TV. (laughs) Because I'm sure they're backstage, but they're kind of still in the theater. But she has to know about the Macbeth curse. <laughs> yes, she obviously should, yes. And so, one more th- uh, one more thing before we move on from this. She also says, Oliver was obsessed with it. He wrote reams of notes. He had a plan. And I, in my notes, I wrote down, even though Oliver hasn't shown up yet as of this point in the episode, sorry, I, I know he's going to because he's on the DVD disc sticker. Right, right. So, so yes. this is the writer's explanation for why he's still around as a ghost, despite the appearance of him moving on in the last episode of season one I commented on. When he says, goodbye, Jeffrey, it seems like he's actually moved on, but no, yes. he still has more unfinished business. He never got to, to produce Macbeth when he was alive. Yes, indeed. I mean, indeed, it makes a it makes a neat little pat wrap-up for, uh, for a, a single... A single season series, uh, but yep. but but then they can they can bring him back uh, via this method, right? I would like to kind of point out that during the Moira scene, there's various or very obvious camera choice to do the straight on shot, and I don't know if, if the if the audio changed at all, but it was almost like she was doing like a witch's curse right then and there towards Jeffrey about Macbeth. I don't know, did you pick up on that? The, the, yes, I mean they definitely. I definitely did pick up on the uh, the frame, framing. Uh, I suppose you're asking Amy. <laughs> well, either one of you. Yes, uh, but I, and I did also note that uh, the season, the series in general, tends to uh, pretty much use the same couple of music cues throughout, and this one has a new one. There's the new the the new solo violin. Oh, maybe that's cue. what it was. Something I don't I don't know what it was. I wasn't paying attention to the music, but it obviously put me in an altered mood or made me feel uneasy because I think it was supposed to. Obviously, yes. I mean, they're obviously they're, she's she's well down. I mean, when they when they when they come out of what she's saying, um, they're obviously quite a ways down the hall from each other. But when she's speaking to him, it's the the very you know the extreme close up of face only on both of them. Uh, Naomi has big problems with Macbeth, as he starts to say here. And, uh, and Jeffrey does point out. Uh, uh, does anybody have that as a quote? Jeffrey's uh, yeah. Jeffrey's no, I- mantra on this particular one, as <laughs> as previously, he was not mentally equipped to direct Hamlet. In this case, uh, Macbeth is uh, extremely difficult to stage effectively. Right. Yep, that is what he keeps saying. I had on this scene. I Na- Naum says it opens the door to the other world and beckons them. And um, he's right, there is a lot of blood, and I can imagine it would be difficult to stage effectively, but I I like this. I like where this scene is going. If he's right, or I like where this series is going. Yes. If if it's true what Nahum says. Well, Nahum... I, I it, hope they do something with that. Certainly they are uh, they are working with the, uh, the curse mm-hmm. uh, in that case, uh, to some extent. Uh, next scene, uh, Jeffrey's in his office, and Oliver's picture suddenly falls from the wall. Ooh, spooky. As he's regarding the pictures on the wall. 
did anyone else notice what other picture that I wrote in my notes? Jeffrey still keeps Oliver's skull on his desk. And that oh, picture, nice. Th- <laughs> and that picture from the first episode, that one picture of the fateful production of Hamlet, is now framed on his office wall. Yes. Clear- clearly he's made some peace with the past, and the music in this scene hits the perfect emotional notes, too. Nice. So, I know, I miss well the skull, though. Yeah, that's awesome. It yeah. was just in the corner of the screen, and yeah. I looked at it and I went, oh, he still has the skull. Huh. Yes, yes. So, uh, but uh, n- n- not to linger too long on Oliver's picture falling on the wall, Ellen bursts directly in and confronts him about his treatment of her. So, uh, naturally, they make out. <laughs> yep. Which I wrote down, I still don't like Ellen. Mm. I don't know why, there's something about her I just don't like I just knew that when I saw how Ellen was getting in Jeffrey's face about this I just knew that was where the scene was going Oh yeah You could kind of tell Yes, they were framing it as such Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a a similar scene in uh, the television series Moonlighting um, when the when the two uh, the two main principal actors in that series uh, are having a major argument, and while that argument is going on, even in my uh, my whatever uh, eighth grade ninth grade uh, age, I was like, they've got that kind of framed funny for an argument. It seems more like a, and then they uh-huh. kissed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so similar. Um. Uh, did anybody with uh, any of, of this uh, whole uh, confrontation, the uh, the points that they're making in the argument? Uh? Mm, nope, not really. Not really. Uh, same old, same old. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, so Kate is broken up about her situation, and Jack just won't let her alone. Uh, but their conversation is interrupted by his co-star in the new movie, and they appear to have some manner of history. Uh, this actress is Jennifer Baxter. I, I really, she doesn't seem to have any notable theater credits. She's a she's a film actress and uh, television actress and co- and also a comedian. Uh, ba- originally based out of Toronto, I think she's living in L.A. now. But not much to say about this uh, actual actress. Um, and she's uh, she's uh, she seems a fairly fairly typical uh, California L.A. actress. Uh, the way they're portraying her. Oh yeah, to- absolutely, totally. I have a quote, a comment on this scene. Sure. I wrote down one of the things this act, the character's name is Cheyenne said. Yes. She says to Kate, do you have to cry like that every night? Oh, which means Kate was actually crying about her impending loss of Jack and she used it on stage. So good job on the acting side of things. But, but poor Kate. Right. Mm. That sucks. Yeah, well, like like like, uh, like Jeffrey said, some spills are hard to clean up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry if that was anybody's quote. No. Um, so in Jeffrey's office, the uh, making out has moved on to the desk. Uh, <laughs> Ellen stops it, saying it was a momentary thing, that uh, it was an end-of-season thing. It should never happen again. Uh, yep, poor Ellen. She Clearly, Jeffrey's back in love with her, but she's not sure if she wants to get back together with him. Because she's already with someone else. Yes. And uh, at this point, Anna enters uh, after after Ellen leaves. Anna enters telling him that Richard wants to talk and is drunk. And uh, this whole time as Ellen was leaving and Anna came in, Jeffrey is hiding an anatomical problem. Which was... 
I thought it was Hang on. Sure. There's a lot of noise in the background. I don't know. Sorry about it's... that. <laughs> Sorry. Are you opening candy I'll or stop. something? Sure. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Can we oh, retake yeah, right. that whole scene? <laughs> sure. Here it goes. Uh, so uh, just after Ellen leaves, Anna enters and tells him that Richard wants to talk and is drunk. Uh, and this whole time, as as Ellen was leaving and Anna has entered, that um, Jeffrey is hiding an anatomical problem, um, which I thought uh, was I, didn't catch that. I thought it was delightfully underplayed. But he was, he yeah. was definitely leaning over in a certain way that would hide issues. Uh, blood flow. Yeah. <laughs> I did not notice that either. I didn't either. I, I caught the uh, smart man uh, comment, like that he's already drunk. Yes, he's already drunk. Smart, uh, man. smart man. Indeed. <laughs> um, so into Richard's office. Uh, Richard makes the trouble clear, and they uh, both end up agreeing, actually, that cuts need to occur. And uh, Yeah, well, yeah. I guess... Uh, I felt a little weird that Jeffrey was like, I guess it makes sense because he already thinks that this whole theater is too bloated to begin with, right? And it needs to yeah. scale back. That's his reasoning. Yes, and then and then Richard's reasoning is is purely financial. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but they do agree, and and also uh, um, also uh, Richard says that he definitely wants to work with Jeffrey in, in any way that he can. Uh, Jeff, Jeffrey talks Richard into attending the party, and at the very last minute there, Richard drops the uh, the news of Henry Breedlove, ready to play Macbeth, there at the Rose, the main stage of, this, of the festival, to which Jeffrey immediately bulks. <laughs> right, and it took me a little while, and it's not discussed here, but it took me a little while. This is the second time that Macbeth has been mentioned to Jeffrey, and he has freaked out. And I, it took, obviously, it took uh, at least one more time for this to come up before I realized why. So I think it's very good foreshadowing that they're doing here. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, Ellen arrives home and runs into Sloan. To which I wrote, damn, Sloan really is back. <laughs> and uh, he confronts her about shutting him out of her life and proposes, which she, of course, uh, accepts. Makes perfect right. sense. To which I wrote, this Sloan seems to have a little bit more dimension to him. Like, just in this scene and then a scene later on, he seems, and maybe the actor is a little more seasoned, and uh, maybe the writing is a little bit better, but he's not as one-dimensional as he was in the first season. I'm still not a big fan of him, but it's not yeah, he's fleshed, a, a little he, dimension. Yeah, he's fleshed out. He's fleshed bit. out, and I'm not just talking about the uh, the, the washboard abs, which were already there. Out. Yes. <laughs> um, Richard arrives at the bar and is heartily greeted by Cyril. <laughs> Is Cyril, Cyril is uh, it, which one is Sarah Polly's dad? Uh, Not Sir, Cyril's the yes, other guy. Frank. Frank is Frank uh, Sarah Polly's dad. Yes. Okay. About that scene, I wrote down: Benedict has arrived. Benedict, <laughs> as in Arnold. It's a term of affection, dearie. <laughs> yes. For, oh, for is that what he says to him? Yes. Yep. Oh, nice. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe I, I was lost in drunkenness, but that's <laughs> that. For the record, at a last deadpan meetup, the subject of Benedict Arnold com- came up somehow. I think it was while we were playing Cards Against Humanity. Sure. And 
And Rhea, our resident Canadian, said that she knew who he was. Of course, I know, I am committing the fallacy of taking the sample size of one person and assuming that just because she knows who Benedict Arnold was, maybe it's some Canadians do, but apparently Richard doesn't. <laughs> and apparently Cheryl uh. does. <laughs> Yep, exactly. So there we are. I didn't even like put the two and two together as a you know red blooded American. Of course, I knew who he was. So I I didn't even dawn on me that it would be lost on a Canadian. Yes. Ah, I thought of it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, next up, uh, Jeffrey is uh, back at the stage, and he runs into Naum, and he's got a some esoteric bit of lighting equipment. I can't remember what it's called exactly. Uh, okay, real quick. Uh, <laughs> I wrote down, and I just now, as we were coming up to this, I realized something. Yes. I think you know what I'm going to go to, Paul. Okay, but what? I wrote down, for the ghost, what's up with the light? And now I realize that's a ghost light, and we're called the Ghost Light Podcast, and that must be <laughs> some kind of theater thing. Yes. Uh, I'll, yeah. uh, I'll go into my spiel here. Right, the, yeah. uh, the ghost light is a single light on a simple stand, which is left lit at center stage when a production is not underway. Uh, clearly, this is basically a safety light. You don't want a dark stage with no lights. Uh, it's basically a work light. But uh, theater people have a rich tradition of superstition. Uh, there is a claim that the ghost light allows theater ghosts, because every theater has at least one, uh, allows the theater ghosts to perform when nobody is around, and thus appeasing the ghost who will then not bother the production. Hmm. Oh, that's really I cool. Was, that is neat. I never knew that. Thank you. I was wondering about that. When I I did not know that, and so I interpreted the scene completely wrong. I asked myself, so is this a light used to build a ghost prop around or meant to keep ghosts from hiding in the shadows backstage? And that's, Honest- and that's another interpretation as well. Honestly, Amy, I didn't even get it either until I looked at my notes and saw the two words ghost light right next to each other. <laughs> and that's what, that's what cued me. I thought it was like a lamppost prop, like something out of uh, you know the uh, line the witch in the wardrobe or something. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why they were just I don't the two of them were on stage. I didn't think anything about this kind of like superstition. I do have a question, Paul. Okay. Uh, you you were involved in the theater world, right, for yes. a while? Some uh, 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 university productions, yes. Did you all part uh, do this tradition? No. Have you ever been in a production, or has your wife that you know of ever been into production where they've done this? Uh, I would need to. I would need to ask her uh, more more directly about it. Uh, I do not think so. Uh, but I did. Uh, you know, I I knew about the ghost light obviously, and and used it for this uh, for this podcast. So I did go online and find photos of of ghost lights and try to use them as our logo, and didn't oh. quite didn't quite find one that was suitable. But uh, I, the 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 light stand in the. Uh, in the podcast logo is a is a ghost light stand that I that I nice. saw available for well sale, done. and it fits this uh, show, which has a recurring ghost ghost throughout fairly well. Yes, I thought it was fairly appropriate. Very clever, sir. So Nayuma and Jeffrey speak of ghosts. Uh, Oliver specifically, uh, who <laughs> Nayum has has not seen. But he says he would like to see a ghost. Um, but he says he would like to see a ghost, and that they are shy and don't tend to show themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, once again, conversation turns to Macbeth. Nayum says that it teaches nothing, and um, and while Jeffrey says that it teaches us about evil, he says that it 
shows evil but doesn't teach anything that the uh, that it shows a psychopath and Naum says he saw plenty of that in Nigeria in real life which I think is a very interesting interpretation on Macbeth the fact that it really in Naum's uh, mind is kind of a useless play if if plays are supposed to teach you something which I guess that's a caveat in itself but the fact that he doesn't like it because he doesn't see a point to it yes so to speak. Yes, and I, I, and he still is also coming from a, from the angle of that it is cursed beyond just not being useful. He's right. he's clearly he's clearly somewhat uh, frightened, somewhat frightened of the show, but beyond just the 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 non non usefulness of it. I did write down that I really really enjoy his character, but at times it kind of seems like he's just a stereotype. It kind of does. But I, I, with the with the mention of the psychopaths uh, in Nigeria and everything, I, I really felt like that that particular angle was better used here than it was even in the Earlier. last season. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I liked it in this particular scene, but I wrote that down actually for the last scene that he was in. Uh, I don't know why. There's just something about it just kind of uh, seemed off guard to me. Anyways. Yeah, so I was I was glad to see that he came back around. Really, yeah, that, that, oh, he, yeah. that he made it into the, the next season. Uh, oh, I did not mention this, but I can mention it now since we're talking about people that came in, from last season to this season. Yes, I did not see Sean Collins' uh, name in the title sequence, nor does spoiler, nor does he appear in this first episode at least. So that kind of broke my heart a little bit. Yeah, yeah, Just, I, I I I can't I can't necessarily say if he's he's back. I'm pretty sure that he is not, but uh, that's sad. <laughs> Anyways, Basil was a fin- phenomenal character. It was, in my opinion, still the best thing of season one. <laughs> yes. Uh, so back at the party, Sloane wants Ellen to dance, and uh, clearly she's not ready to uh, reveal to everyone their engagement, uh, as she says not to say the word fiancé uh, mm-hmm. at the party. And she also refuses, uh, was wearing queen shoes and... He, des- he decides to dance without her. Uh, Ellen goes to sit with Kate and tells her that she really ought to stay and play Juliet. Kate oh. mentions... Yes. And Kate, I, Kate, yes? No, you go ahead. Yes, and, 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 and Kate also mentions that uh, there was a proposal off screen, um, which is, of course, also just uh, hitting the nail on the head for Ellen as well, sort of uh, continuing, the, continuing her impression that, uh, you know, I've agreed, but... What the heck did I just agree to? <laughs> <laughs> I loved I loved this scene. Girl talk with Ellen and Kate. I like it. It's great <laughs> that they can talk about their relate that they are close enough to each other that, despite the generation gap, that they can talk about their relationships. Mm-hmm. And especially considering uh, Kate's history with Ellen that we learned about last season. That's just yeah that she saw really Ellen's, heartwarming. That she saw Ellen's Ophelia when she was twelve, I believe. Yep, that's right. That's what I was talking about. So it's really, really cool that they've gotten to make a connection. And uh, they, Ellen even says, Hollywood is not the place for an actress of your caliber. And uh, to which Kate responds, thank you. You don't know what it means to me to hear you say that. But yeah, exactly. we do. Exactly, we do. I wish Kate would just tell her, but she doesn't. <laughs> and uh, Jack is getting his ear talked off by Cheyenne. Uh, Jeffrey rescues him from the uh, inanities of uh, of uh, lipo reconstruction or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Jeffrey res- rescues him. I've lost my place. I did have, um, just to go back to the whole uh, Ellen and 
Kate conversation. Sure thing. That I kept I kept waiting for the other Rachel McAdams shoe to drop. Like obviously she's conflicted about something. Um, whether or not she's going to run off with Jack, whether or not she's going to stay. I thought that they were going to, and this is, and I wrote this down during the scene because this is when I came up with it. Sure. That there was a third option that she was weighing that she wasn't telling anybody because obviously this is the one episode that Rachel McAdams is going to be in. She's not coming back, so she's not going to stay there, obviously. Right. So I was kind of in the mindset that there was one other option that was more about her and not her following a man. Yeah, it would have been so nice. That's, I kind of wrote that down. This is where, I mean, we'll get to what happens, but I was kind of hoping that was the direction it was going to go in. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, Cheyenne's talking uh, Jack's ear off. Jeffrey rescues him. It's clear that she's really not a threat to Kate. Um, whereas right, right at the very beginning in her very first scene backstage, it seemed like maybe that was what they were implying was that maybe she was a, an old flame that mm-hmm. was, that was going to be a, you know, a love triangle or something like that. But it's, it's, they, they make it fairly clear. That's not a storyline they're pursuing. Right. Um, Jack really wishes he could stay, uh, to which, you know, Jeffrey encourages that, but, uh, but Jack would be sued for breach of contract by his studio. And he mentions briefly to Jeffrey that he uh, proposed to Kate. He, he mentioned as, mentions it as, as well. Uh, Jeffrey does not seem to have any constructive uh, information to uh, to uh, convey as compared to uh, to uh, Ellen and Kate. Uh, he's Jeffrey. Pretty much just says, "Yep, sucks." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, a, in a slightly more Shakespearean manner. Um. Richard. 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 Uh, oh yes, yeah, Sloan. Sloan does. I've got Sloan. Okay. I've got Sloan dances with Ellen. I don't. That, he never actually dances with Ellen. Does no, he, he dances with um, Anna. Anna. That's that's what I meant to write down. Okay, sorry. Sloan dances with Anna. Um, Cyril is telling stories, you know, back to actor <laughs> stories as as one as one does. Uh, Richard interrupts to apologize. Oh, and I wrote down Richard. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. And uh, Cyril mercifully continues to tell stories. Right. Which I guess that was nice and not rude. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he just went back to, I was like, oh, that was kind of mean of him. But then I realized, well, I think he was trying to spare him the awkwardness of that situation he just created. Yeah. Cyril was pretty much like, okay, the right thing to do here is just to move on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And Brian confronts or confronts, talks to Jeff about roles for him the next season. Jeffrey really hasn't decided if he is going to stay. Uh, as, as we know, he's already conflicted about Macbeth. He doesn't really mention that to, to Brian, of course. And uh, Brian uh, decides that uh, since it sounds like Jeffrey's not staying, he's going to really go after him about how, how crappy he is for the, uh, for the, the festival in general. Uh, yeah, right. you're not worthy of this theater, he says. Wow, that's some harsh criticism there. Yes, Brian, Brian decides to pull no punches as soon as he's decided that Jeffrey is clearly not coming back. And in all honesty, I wrote this down too. I'm glad that someone is finally taking Jeffrey to task, you know, and like letting him, letting us know that not everyone thinks of him as the god that everyone made him out to be in the first season. Like he could do no wrong in the first season. Obviously there was the whole thing about maybe he's crazy, but he's crazy in an artistic way and that's awesome. Brian is telling him that he is not good as an artist and that he ruined Jeffrey's season. Uh, and I kind of, yeah. I kind of like the fact that that added a dimension to the show that there are people out there that aren't Jeffrey fans. 
Yes. So, yes, I agree. I did like that that dimension. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Jeffrey tells Ellen he is quitting. Uh, he can't stand the place, but she says he can't leave her there alone. Uh, to which he says, you yeah, know, she won't be alone, and gestures towards Sloane partying down with Cheyenne over in the corner. Uh, Jack tries to take uh, Kate away, but she won't go, says that it's over, but uh, he says he will call later. Call you on my cell phone. On my cell phone. <laughs> which, for whatever reason, my 2013 ears kind of just, that sounded weird. Yeah. I guess that's what someone would have said in 2005, but... Sure. I mean, because, uh, you, know, you know, in 2005, uh, oh, you're going to call me, what, from the from the hotel once you get to Hawaii? What When, when, you, when right. are you going to call me? Right. Just the word cell and cell phone just sounds weird now. It's just a phone. That's the yeah. only phone people have. No one has a house phone anymore, or very few people do. Yes. Um, then apparently it's time for Sloan to lead the conga line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sloan. <laughs> and Ellen tells Jeffrey Sloan is not a threat to him, uh, which uh, I was just, uh, the, the most recent time I was rewatching that, I, it, it, it actually uh, reminded me of a scene in, um, in the movie Fight Club, actually. It's kind of funny. There's a, uh, a scene where... Uh, where um, the uh, the main character, the Edward Norton character, is in in the uh, room with uh, with Helena Bonham Carter's character, Marla. Marla. Jack and Marla. Jack Jack and Marla. Yeah, if you were going to call him Jack, the people do call him. I think Jack. that's that's how he's titled in the credits. Yes, uh, but anyway, they're they're in her apartment, and she's notes a uh, a uh, pleasuring device that's on the on the dresser and says uh, it's not a threat to you. <laughs> I, I I don't think it's a direct reference, but it, it amused me that there, that I made that connection in my head. Yeah, yeah, right. That was where you went first. That little synapse fired. Yes. Uh, she's and she she's you know Ellen says uh, he's not a threat to you and admits that they have a, a thing, but uh, isn't really willing to say what that thing is or, or define it in any way. And uh, Jeffrey reveals that the reason he wants to leave is because they're making him change the season and reveals that it is uh, indeed Macbeth and Henry Breedlove. All right. Is it Macbeth or Macbeth? Mick or Mac? Uh, it's, uh, is that, Mac- is that it's, just kind of open to interpretation or is it supposed to be one or the other? It's written as Mac. Yes. It's, but people don't always say it that way. I, so I, I don't know if there's an official pronunciation or not. If, uh, as far as Scottish names go, yes, you should say Mac all the time. But the fact is that not everyone does. Uh, I'm lazy. <laughs> but no, yes. no. no I, I mean, mean, I say Macbeth, too, and I yeah. just associate that with my southern upbringing. Yeah, I, th- I think it's my lazy American mouth. Or just mouth. maybe my American upbringing. Yes, maybe my, the Americans say Macbeth. My, my lazy American mouth, yeah. yeah. What do you say, Amy? Do you say Mick or Mac? I almost always find myself saying Mick. Mick yeah. as well, yeah. For the same reason as Paul said, I'm lazy. Yeah, I just I just think that's the way it's always been said to me, and that's just the way that I... But mm. I know for a fact it's that's spelled fine. Mac. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering. Yes. Um... So Ellen, Ellen obviously is uh, is thrilled with the idea of playing uh, Lady M. Yeah, I like this scene. I like that we actually see some passion about theater from Ellen. Like it just seems like she's always in a pissy mood and hates the fact that she has to act. 
Yes. Like, uh, and she's supposed to be like the super passionate actress or whatever, super good at her craft, but you never ever see her like revel in it. And this kind of opens up a window that she does enjoy what she's doing. Like she likes her art. You're absolutely right. She's been Titania and Gertrude, and this is the happiest and most excited we've seen her in the entire series so far. Granted, both of those productions had pretty serious problems. And with Oliver's lack of creativity and Jeffrey, well, being Jeffrey. So, but yeah, this is a new side of Ellen we really haven't seen. And it's another, cool. and another unique thing that uh, that I find fairly unique is that they're not going to continue to play with uh, you know Jeffrey suffering Oliver alone. He, she pretty much directly predicts, isn't that is that that what you're worried about? You're worried that Oliver's going to come back. You know, yeah, and sa- says yeah. it straight out and says that she'll be there for him if it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jeffrey turns that right around at her and says, you know, you can't really be there for me and have this special thing with uh, Sloane there at the same time. Mm. At the exact moment, there's a scream, and Sloane somehow collapses and topples a table. And we cut to Kate in the, uh, in the restroom, sobbing about the, uh, the whole situation she's in, the whole, whole confrontation she's just had and the, the dilemma she's facing. Um, the captioning, uh, for some reason, I, have, I had the captioning open, and for some reason the captioning says he lied at some point during all of her sobbing, and I think it's supposed to just be incoherent. I don't think and he lied really makes any sense. No, I agree it doesn't. I had it on and I noticed the same thing. What are you all watching on? Are you watching the DVDs? Yes. Yep. Okay. They don't have captioning on Amazon. No. Because I usually like to watch. I'm. This kind of annoys people when I watch movies with them. I like to add the captions on because I like to hear everything that's being said. Yeah. Read everything that's being said. But uh, yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, if you have it on Amazon, there's no captioning. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, anyway, I, I, I've, I've tried again and again to, to and I th- kind of think I kind of heard what they were. Th- what the captioner thought they were hearing, but I don't think the I, I assume the captioner was not working from the script and was instead just uh, working from what they were hearing. Right. Um, and they've made an interpretation that I don't believe was correct. So uh, Ellen, Ellen more or less pours Sloane into a cab, hmm. uh, gives back his ring, and sends him on his way. Yeah, which I wrote, you know, yay, goodbye, Sloane. But then I thought about it. That was super shitty of her. Like, (laughs) he is at the highest high of his life, and she just breaks his heart and shuts the door. Like, she picked the worst time to give the ring back, I feel. Yeah, and I think she also was, was from the beginning, not making the right call and and saying yes right away. No, no, of course, Mm. and that was bad. But the way she handled it, just, I really felt for Sloane's position at that, that particular time. Like, honestly, this episode made me turn around on Sloane just about. I mean, I'm glad he's gone. I hope he doesn't come back. But uh, that was such a dick move. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Ellen goes right back in and tells Kate she should go live life with Jack rather than pretend her life in the theater. Yep. I'm, aww. This, um, we went from Ellen being thrilled and excited to Ellen being um, uh, inspiring and joyful and just, she's just so real. She has real and true things to say, that there's a reason she's petty and bitter and that having a, having a, a real life and a love life is even better than the theater, as wonderful as the theater is. That was 
this scene just made me go aww and applaud and stuff. Yeah, no, I like this scene a lot too. This is. I'm still anti-Ellen, or not a big fan of Ellen, I guess I should say. Sure. Uh, but she did have a couple of good moments in this episode. Getting excited about Macbeth was nice to see some other emotion than, you know, the one that we've been seeing throughout. And then this scene with Kate was also good. So I was still kind of upset that she had literally just shat all over Sloane, though. Yeah, was- yeah. <laughs> And 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 I and I I'd still have to you know agree with you as well that it that it's I mean it, it's necessary that there there be some departure that she leaves for some reason that it's not necessarily the greatest message that she's leaving for a guy. Oh yeah yeah I thought for sure that there was going to be some other uh, this being Kate that's leaving that she got offered yes. this kick-ass role like in London or New York to do like one of their uh, things yeah theater things. <laughs> yep. so. but it's kind of it's kind of the uh you know it, it uh it casts ca- casts away the starry eye romantic uh youth from the first season mm-hmm. uh casts casts it sen- sends it on moves it along i suppose mm-hmm. and out of the show um richard does a little light opera with uh <laughs> cyril on the piano <laughs> That was so great. I I wrote in my notes, it is pretty damn impressive that even while that drunk, Richard can apparently still remember all the words to I am the very model of a modern major general. There's a man who loves his musical theater. And yes, I sang along. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And... uh... You know, the, so yeah, Richard. Richard basically does the the light opera thing, and then the gag about uh, winning the uh, theater award for uh, your good man Charlie Brown. Um, Ellen tells Jeffrey of the proposal from Sloane, and then immediately reveals that she ended it and tells him she did it for him, and says that he has to stay and he has to direct Macbeth. And he gets up and leaves away from her, and, and right away it's not necessarily clear, especially to her, what he's intending to do. Uh, and he goes to the stage in the, uh, or the stage, or, you know, whatever makes for a stage at the bar, and tells everyone about the coming season, including Macbeth with Henry Breedlove. Uh, or does he mention Henry Breedlove? I can't remember. Uh, but he definitely. No, he does not. He but, does not. Yeah, but he does tell everyone that Macbeth in tribute to the late Oliver Wells, and and then he also suggests that there will be cuts. Well, looking directly at Brian, and you can see from the look on Brian's face that you know exactly what's going on between the two of them. Mm-hmm. No, but he doesn't mention that actor dude because I, I noticed that as well. I was like, oh, I'm wondering if he's going to drop the name, and he didn't. And I'm assuming that's because that's not 100 percent solidified yet. I suppose. Yes. And uh, then uh, Ellen says he should take her home. Uh, Frank gets to sing with Cyril now, a little duet. And uh, during this musical montage, Kate and Jack are on their way to the airport. Uh, Ellen and Jeffrey get some uh, bedtime. Uh, (laughs) And uh, Jeffrey reveals he was never with anyone uh, since previously being with her. Uh, Frank and Cyril close down the bar and go home. And later... Jeffrey lying awake, listening to the sound of a train in the background, and a figure passes by the door briefly. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Cue credits. And cue yep. credits. 
Well, when I have to say a couple of interesting points. I'm sorry, I have to backtrack. But after Richard's light opera, I it stuck out to me that when Jeffrey named off all the plays that he w- was planning to produce for the yes. next season, when he was talking to everyone, one mm-hmm. of them was the Pirates of Penzance. Yes. Hmm, oh yeah. Interesting connection <laughs> there. And then when it started getting late in the episode, I was expecting Oliver to show up right at the end, maybe with a one-liner, but I loved how they actually did it. You just, Jeffrey just catches a glimpse of Oliver walking by the door. A la Fight Club there, Paul. Sure. Mm -hmm. It was a very Tyler Durden moment. It was. It was. (laughs) Uh, So that uh, concludes the, uh, the episode roundup. Um... Referring back to my notes about how we do things. (laughs) Uh, We are going to move on to feedback. And we have one piece of feedback today. Sweet. That is an email. And it is from our super fan, Heidi. Heidi. And Heidi says, in email form, Hello there. Time for season two. So, theater types. Is it bad luck to have someone die in the audience? Um, yeah, is it? <laughs> I, I mean, I imagine it is. I've got to think that's a that's a fairly unlucky occurrence. I, it's not necessarily clear from uh, from how everything carries on that she did pass on. Uh, definitely a. There is a movie where somebody died. Oh, it was a fish called Wanda. Uh, somebody died laughing during it. Yeah. And there is now a uh, a comedy um, festival named after that man. <laughs> Anyways, sure. that sure. just made me think of it. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not, I mean, A, it's not exactly clear. Oh, my dishwasher's going off. Okay. Huh. Uh, There's a ice cream truck. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say something about it rather than just let it play <laughs> off in the background with nobody noticing. Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to Heidi's email. Yes. Um, I was so excited to see Jackie Burroughs as the fortune teller lady. I loved Avonlea as a child and have seen her appear in a lot of things since then, mostly things filmed in Canada. I loved everyone congratulating each other on a wonderful season, only to remember that it wasn't that wonderful. Where's Heidi from? Uh, Heidi is from Utah. Okay. Yes. She's a very in-depth Canadian knowledge. I suppose well, she's she's definitely got a lot of uh, a lot of media knowledge. She's uh, she's of course the uh, the expert on the uh, investigating Mars podcast on the Quadruple Z Network. Uh-huh. Uh, well, Veronica Mars isn't particularly Canadian. She's she is uh, fairly media savvy. Uh, and, uh, continuing on, Oliver is still haunting Jeffrey, even though he's not actually there, and everyone is very excited about Macbeth. I'm looking forward to seeing how this works out, as it looks like Oliver will be back. Ellen gives Kate advice, but I'm not sure if it's the best advice. She's basically, she'd basically be giving up her dream so Jack can follow his. Right, and again, she's following a man. Hmm. I liked Statler and Waldorf's song at the end. I can't ever remember their names. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, I think that, that accurately describes them. It does, yeah. And uh, looking forward to some more fun podcasts this season, Heidi. Thank you, Heidi. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Heidi. Thanks, Heidi. Ben, going back to your point about, again, she's following a man. I actually wrote down in my notes when on the girl talk scene where Ellen and Kate are discussing their relationships, so much for the Bitchdale test. Yeah. He, oh, yeah, totally, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there is a scene, at least in this episode. Nope. Because nope. those are really the only two female-female interactions. Mm-hmm. 
But the, right. the, that test is they have to go the entire show without having Ex- conversation. Yeah, the right? entire show, I yeah. think, yeah. Or film is what it's really either way. Mm. Mm. My, yeah. the, way I, the way I learned it about the test, and we might need to look this up, but the way I learned it was there have to be at least two important female characters who have a conversation with each other about something other than a man or right. man. Right, just... Just one conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and and I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think uh, Cheyenne's conversation with Kate about her tits and her uh, acting on stage and crying <laughs> is is qualified as significant characters. Well, that and Jack was there, and Jack they was present. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was an incompetence between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hey, well, that's just standard in uh, media. Yep. Yes. Um. So we should move on to quotes if everyone's ready for that. Sure. I, I am. Okay, uh, who would like uh, first dibs? I have a couple, so I'll let whoever, Amy, if you want to go first, or Paul, if you want to go first. Sure, Amy can go first. Sure, okay, here's mine. It's uh, one of the discussions between Kate and Ellen. Kate says, I'm supposed to play Juliet, and Ellen answers, you can play it, or you can live it. Your choice. Right. Uh, Why can't you do both? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Uh, that just struck me as one of the memorable good quotes that I like. Right, right. Episode. No, and I like that one as well. Sure. And, um, I have um, sure. uh, drink water from the blind. Wait, drink water that blind hurdlers drink. That's insane. <laughs> Do you want your quote to be associated with uh, basically Richard was at wit's end to get any kind of uh, funding that he would throw the Special Olympics under the bus? Yes. Yeah, I was... To which Archer responds, Jesus, Richard, you sound like a Nazi. Right, right. (laughs) Appropriately, he should have said that, exactly. Exactly. I wrote in my notes, good on the new bad guy, for calling Richard and saying horrible things about people with disabilities. I say this as someone who has volunteered at Special Olympics events. Right. Go ahead, Ben. Um, I meant to mention this earlier. When we were talking about whether or not this Archer guy is going to um, become part of the board, basically he gave Richard two options. You either treat it like a business or you treat it like a charity, in which case you go to the government. And then later, Richard's having the drunken conversation where he's drunk and Jeffrey's not. Yes. But he says, I have to go to the Ministry of Arts or whatever. So in my mind, that facilitated that Richard had learned his lesson about dealing with corporate business types with Holly and her company and that he is going to try and go the um, the government funding route, which if that is the case and that's what they decide to do would be great. And I'm really hoping that's what happens. I think there's a possibility that it may not happen and that they'll just rehash the whole corporate anti-art business Ugh. art thing again. Well, I mean, it would just be the I, same storyline, yeah. except this exactly. time around Holly's a dude. So yeah. I'm exactly. hoping they go think- the other way. Yeah, so am I, because I think these actors, and not only these actors, but these writers and these series creators are much better and smarter than that. I'm sure right. they will not do that. Well, when when Mr. Archer came on screen, honestly, I wrote down, Holly turned into a man. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> the stuff that he is saying is stuff that lines of dialogue that she would have said last True. season. Yes, I, I did want to point out one funny thing um, as an echo to your quote that you already used uh, in the scene in the office when he's talking to Jeffrey. He says that I'm going to have to go to the Minister of Culture and beg like some kind of blind hurdler. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that he did a callback. That's pretty great. <laughs> 
Did you have uh, any other? Did you have a poll? Was that your quote, Paul? Uh, no, I've got. Uh, I've got in that same scene. Uh, I'm so sorry. She was a witch. She seduced me, man. And you know, <laughs> I haven't had much experience with women. Jeffrey says it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and to which Richard says the sex. Oh, it was gymnastic. <laughs> and Jeffrey quickly says, "Richard, what's what's done is done. <laughs> Let's not talk anymore about this." <laughs> Disturbing. Interesting. In that quote, uh, the word witch, witch is dropped, yes. which is, you know, yet another reference towards Macbeth. I suppose. Macbeth. I'm sure that's purposely peppered in there. Yeah, could be. Could be. Uh, anybody have a second? While we're on the subject, sure. um, I for, I'm sorry I forgot to ask this at the beginning of the episode, but I wrote down Mackers. Okay. Well, it's a good yeah. way to get around the the saying the name. So I was wondering, Paul, did you do? Have you ever heard a theater person in real life call him that as a nickname? I'm not sure if I've heard 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 uh, the character referred to. Um, I do know that I've heard several people refer to the Scottish play. Yep, right. that I'm very familiar with that. So uh, I, I, I I am familiar with that. I don't remember anybody uh, referring to him by name, however, uh, as a character. So. But definitely speaking of the Scottish play. Mm-hmm. Uh, does anybody have a second quote uh, that they'd like to use? Um, I had another one. Uh, Saved by the Union, who the thought? Which I thought. <laughs> of course, is another. Uh, I, I'm very pro Union, so I kind of liked that one. It was kind of a dig at the Union, yet at the same time, kind of like uh, justified its use. Yeah, it echo- echoes the uh, the line from, uh, from um, the first season that you mentioned earlier. Right, right. Actually, from, from I do. Darren Nichols. Yeah. Yes. I actually do did find another quote looking over my notes. Jack talking about Cheyenne. Yes. She was Miss Nebraska. Now she's a monster. <laughs> and I, I put, I'm I am embarrassed on behalf of Nebraska and Hollywood, California. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, uh, Darcy was uh, in the graduate program at the uh, University of Nebraska Lincoln, so. Oh, yeah. She was amused by that as well. <laughs> um, I will say that uh, at this point, uh, before we get into ratings, I will be uh, inserting an interview that has not yet occurred between me and Darcy uh, to just briefly discuss her impressions. So we will put that in right here. All right, so we're here for a little post-recording recording. Um, just me and my lovely wife, Darcy. Hello. <sighs> a little bit odd. We're sitting here talking together in a way that does not involve the children or um, how we're going to pay the bills. <laughs> this is true. But uh, here we go. All right, so you watched just now, um, rewatched the uh, season end, season's, season's end episode, the first episode of the new season. Correct. Um, and I just wanted to go through a few things, uh, see if we can just hit a few points. Um, we've, of course, re- re- reviewed the entire episode with the audience earlier. Um, but we'll just uh, hit, a, hit a few things. Uh, what did you think about the treatment of the uh, the Jack and Kate relationship for for this episode? The treatment? Yeah, how they uh, how they uh, used them and, and what they did to sort of wrap up them. Yeah, I think you know it it works. I mean, and then clearly you know people have other contracts and mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta work around that. Yeah, so. well, I mean Rachel McAdams. Uh, made both the Notebook and um, Mean Girls, I think, uh, in the interim between the seasons. So there was a year and a half break. Right. So uh, she was clearly. I mean, it was it was good of them to be able to get her for what they got. Right. 
Right. And then what about, uh, similarly, what about Ellen and Sloan? I mean, Sloan is uh, clearly being uh, pushed out uh, the episode out of the uh, series. Yeah, I mean, aesthetically I'll miss him, but that's about it. Aesthetically? You know what I mean. Uh, I don't know if I know what you mean. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, and then... Um, other, other than that, and then another uh, couple, Ellen and Jeffrey, of course. Uh, first, uh, as a uh, director and actress, uh, they uh, yeah, they have a tiff. That's normal, though. Yeah, yeah, they've seen that. Okay, but then uh, they move into uh, into couple status, or at least uh, they're uh, they're having a having a nice time at uh, at her house. At yeah, yeah, and I I believe that was my prediction for the first season. Yep, you missed it by one. Uh, I missed it by one, but there you go. So predictable, but sure. Know. Okay, um, and then there are a few new people in this episode um first is the uh the uh, guy with saint roque water at the beginning um his name is mr archer although i don't know if he's credited as such yeah well he, he was he was uh, i found him amusing yes he's amusing sure. he's he, the the actor himself is a uh, alumni of second city so okay excellent uh, and then uh, Moira, the uh, sort of gypsy woman, yeah. the witch, yeah, she's as pretty described awesome. as the witch. Yeah, I, I like her. Is she going to play one of Well, I can't ask that. Never mind. Hmm. 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 I don't know if she's an actress. She's definitely critical of the theater. I figured that she was like an actress that was like done. She'd played the nurse and, <laughs> and moved on. And moved on. Yes. And then, um, of course, Brian, the uh, actor that was playing Claudius. Right. Uh, and is, is new, newly introduced to this, uh, this uh, episode. Right, right. I mean, he, he's been there, but... Yeah, I'm not sure. I, don't, I, don't, I do not recall. Uh, the IMDb profile says that he was in every episode of the first season, although I really I can't remember whether that actor was there at all. Yeah, I, I'm having a hard time placing him, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean he wasn't there, like, in the back. Background, so right but i mean obviously they had someone playing claudius and this is supposed to be the guy that was playing claudius for the whole run right 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 and uh how do you think he's going to take this whole uh thing now that he's uh, basically pooped all over the director and then the director is saying that he's staying um i think that he's not going to take it very well also i don't know that he's even going to be cast Sounds that way, doesn't it? So, and you know, maybe, maybe he is done. Maybe he's overpaid for what he gives. So, mm-hmm. and uh, lastly, we're introduced to, and uh, I guess it's not spoilery to say that you're not going to see again Cheyenne, Jack's oh, co-star from the movie. Oh darn, darn! I think I'm pretty sure I went to school with her <laughs> at some point in time. Sure. Oh. Um, and then, what, what? How did you like the uh, the two book-ending scenes in the bar with Kate and Ellen? First, saying, you know, don't go. You got to stay here. You got to be the, the 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 higher actress and then uh and then in the end saying you gotta go live life instead of acting life yeah you know it's typical ellen she just totally flip-flops and you just i don't know i don't think i would have taken any advice from her but you know that's 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 that okay uh there's a few things that we were wondering if you have ever seen okay um people flinging pen- pennies at the actors or anything like that uh yes actually um at um Virginia City. Okay. They throw peanuts. Well, that's part of the... It is. It's part of the shtick, but that's that's it. Yes. They okay. threw, threw peanuts at the, at the actors. actors. Yes. So... The villain, mostly. Yeah, it's, it's and, more of a... And it does kind of go back to the vaudevillian thing. You know, it really was kind of... It was a deal. Yeah, it's really what, they, what they would call in Britain a panto yep. Yep. production. Yep. Pantomime. Um... 
And have you ever been in a, in a theater where they used a ghost light specifically, a stand, you know, a light on a stand in the center of the stage? No, you know, I think that like with all of the OSHA stuff now, I don't think so. I think that mm-hmm. it's always, I mean, there's safety lights. Yeah, there's, there was at, at MSU, there were, they weren't always on. Sometimes it was really unsafe and it was yes, totally dark. But, yes, because uh, were... <laughs> they weren't doing their job. But I mean, I, I have never seen, you work know, the, lights the at least, work, yeah. yeah, I've never seen that, so. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and do you, have you ever heard someone use the term Mackers to describe Macbeth? I have not. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like I was saying, I've heard, I've heard people refer to the Scottish play instead of saying Macbeth in the theater. Yeah. Uh, Bill. Um, uh, Bill uh, Talbot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, uh, I think he, he t- tended to say the Scottish play when he was in the theater. Right. He did. Um, and then I'm pretty sure any other time I've been around. Yeah. I think that's, that's generally the term I've heard. There's another one. I'm trying to remember what it was. I don't think that was. I can't. Yeah. I can't remember. Sure, sure. And our dishwasher is singing to us. Do do. Just as it did during the episode. Um, and then finally, oh, I, have you ever seen a theater funded by the box office? As the guy from the water company seems to. Uh, <laughs> no, that doesn't <laughs> exist, does it? I don't know. Does any of the do, 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 do any of the shows that put up the touring shows re- rely solely on? I think most of those are also sponsored by they're, even those tours. Are usually, no, no, they're 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 all corporate. Even corporate, the tours corporate. are usually sponsored by somebody. Yeah, absolutely. There's I do, I do not believe that that exists in this this day and age. Yeah. So Mr. Archer was full of shit. He was like, yeah, you should just uh, sell more tickets. But I'm sure that if you're a business guy, that's what you think. You know, that's yeah. Well, he's been fu- but he, I mean he's been funding them for years. So, I mean, obviously, he knows what's really what, doesn't he? Right, and he knows that the government's where you get the money. So Is that where they're going next? It's going to have to be. Yeah. I mean, what else is he going to do? And finally, Heidi was wondering in her email to us, um, is it bad luck to have an audience member die before a performance? Probably. I would, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever had that happen. Yes, well... And we don't know that for sure. I yeah. mean, I, she she definitely wasn't doing well, but they didn't really say yeah. that she died. No. Well, I mean, it seemed as though you know I, I've only ever seen a guy die in an airport. I was seeing him. Yeah. So All right. I was pretty young too. When I- All right. Well, when we do the podcast, we usually go to a quotes segment. Did you have anything that you wanted to share for quotes? Uh, yeah. My favorite was, um, I've been in queen's shoes all day. Sorry. Oh, and when Sloan wanted to dance. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was funny because I, I, I feel like I wear queen shoes some days too. Yes. Did you have a second or do you want to share any more? I, um, it's when, uh, uh, um, Jeffrey asks, uh, Jack, uh, what is she? And then he says, uh. She was Miss Nebraska. Now she's a monster. That's pretty funny to me. Yeah? Does she seem Nebraska to you? A to- <laughs> I totally got it. <laughs> it, it. It was, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that I, I crossed paths with exactly that person. Or sure. Or at least the doppelganger or yes. some essence of that. The, 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 the actual fact, the actress is a Canadian uh, comedian and comic actress. Yeah. But... I can see that. But sure. totally, the character is exactly what they said. As you did get some of your education at Nebraska-Lincoln, so... Right. I don't think I went... I, I'm not sure if I crossed paths with, with a, a Miss Nebraska. No, I, <laughs> I've crossed paths with a Miss Montana. Miss Montana yes. And also, actually, a Miss uh, Minnesota was at the uh, breast cancer event that I oh, was yes. at. 
Yeah, which we mentioned earlier in the podcast. Yeah, and she wore these really big heels all day long. I I was amazed. Speaking of queen shoes. Queen shoes, Queen shoes, I I definitely could not have done that. There you go. Well, uh, and then uh, did you have a rating for us? Um, yes. Yes. Um, I'm going to give uh, this episode, you know, it, it's it's just getting going. I, I know it's going to, to get better. They're wrapping up some old storylines. So, you know, I, I'm only going to give it seven diamond chips. Seven diamond chips mm-hmm. that used to be Kawasaki's. That used to be Kawasaki's, yes. I see. Okay. Well, yeah, you're right. It is getting going. Um, there is, uh, they, 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 they're, they're making the transition from a one series, one shot into, in the, you know, developing some things that they didn't develop in the previous season because they weren't intending to have a second season. Right, right. So, uh... With that, unless you have anything else to add, do you have any predictions for the season, actually? Uh, oh, gosh. I mean, it's going to be dead air for a second, Paul. Sure, that's um, fine. I'm going to cut... I'll cut the dead air, of course. I, I predict that, that Richard is going to be in Pirates. Yeah? Yeah. yeah he's he's given his audition right there, right? He, he has. And it's going to be... It's going to be like a financial or somebody. Either that or... Um, oh, now I can't remember the guy's name. The guy who's... The, the security guy. What's his name? Naum. Naum. It, he's going to end up in a production at some point. Yeah, for sure. All right. So those are the, those are the big your your predictions for the season. Yeah. All right. Well, unless you have anything else, we can wrap up. Ah, sorry, oh, I, sure. I, got, I got nothing. That's fine. All right. Well, we had a little brief conversation here, and we'll uh, wrap this into the other show. And uh, I believe uh, Ben will say in a moment here that he disagrees with everything that you said because he's being funny. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. My my joke is broke, but yes. that's all right. All right. I'll, I'll, I will laugh anyway. Okay. Well, we'll see you all next time for the uh, next episode which I don't have written down, but I do mention somewhere in here what it's called. Oh, it's called Fallow Times. Oh, yes. Or Fallow Time. Like like the... Hey, hey, I actually heard this part of the recording. Yes, you were here. Yeah, I, I was right at the very end, but I was very tired after watching Miss Minnesota march around in pink heels all day. And the funny part is I might be saying the episode is called Fallow Time after I say it now. There you go. Who knows? Who knows how this will all fall fallow... Whatever. Okay. All right. Every uh, everybody, bye, and I'll uh, see you again in a moment when I do the rest of the episode with the other two. Bye. Bye. Okay. Were we done with quotes? Uh. Well, we don't have to be. <laughs> oh. Oh. Whatever. <laughs> I did have a one or two more. Oh sure. I mean, uh, and I'll just say them real quick. I did like the line, uh, "Theater is not a place for pretty faces." That was spoken by the witch. Yes, by Moira. Uh, and I think I had another one. Uh. I have sweetie. People my age don't like surprise. We can die of surprise. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that is the ex- that is the very ecstasy of love from one Hamlet to another. When uh, uh, Jeffrey is giving pointers to uh, Jack on the whole uh, proposing and not getting an answer type thing. Yeah, but yeah. All right, that's it. That's all mine. Oh, I had one more, but I I was I'm sorry I did not write it down. When Ellen is encouraging Kate to go ahead and go with Jack, she says some lines from Romeo and Juliet, and then she says, "Oh, listen to me, I'm playing the nurse already." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So actually, that 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 one that one I I uh, didn't realize at first when I very first saw it that she was quoting. So when she said "Go, girl," I was like, "Oh." 
I don't want to hear Go Girl anymore, but th- then it turned out that it was a part of a quote and therefore not that bad. <laughs> Did they say Go Girl in uh, yeah, the, and Juliet? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, sort of. The, 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 uh, the nurse is saying Go Girl and, you know, it's uh, the full oh, quote oh, that okay. she does. Go Girl not and do this. you Go Girl. No, not you Go Girl, which is what I felt, what I thought I heard when I was first listening to it very first. Right, but. right. Okay. <laughs> do you have pre- any predictions on, uh, on what the third season's going to be if the Romeo and Juliet is going to be the uh, play of the day. Hmm, that's a possibility. I'm just kind of Maybe. thinking ahead because those are probably like the three biggest ones, right? Like I figured Macbeth was most... going to be mo- yeah. well-known ones. Yep. Sure, of course I, I I know the answer and I know what the I know what kind of theming they have set up. I won't point it out until uh, until it's all revealed. Right, right. Of course, of course. Um, are we ready to rate? Sure. Well, I will say that uh, Darcy has some very in thought and insightful thoughts there. I appreciate her take on the uh, episode. I don't 100% agree with her. I don't think that uh, Kate is the end all be all of the world, but uh, whatever. <laughs> that that's cute. But I am I am going to leave in the part where I said that we haven't recorded it yet. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That's fine. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, are we ready to rate? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, shall we go in the traditional uh, alphabetical order? All right. Sure. Other than we all already have heard Darcy's rating. Okay, I'll start. All right. Um, this episode made me really happy. I was really glad to get back into the season and with, or back into the show, rather. And so many awesome developments happened. And there's so much good story still to come. So, 9 out of 10, pictures falling off the wall. <laughs> Being, like, jumping off the wall. It was it was very, <laughs> like, that picture literally leaped off of the wall. I don't know if that was just, like, a bad, uh, if that was on purpose, or if it was just kind of like a, it didn't just kind of, like, stumble off like you would expect it to. You know, I wanted to interpret that uh, to some extent that I, I thought, you know, at first I was like, okay, that's an omen and everything, you know, it's meant to be an omen. But then right. it also occurred to me that uh, someone was storming through the offices and perhaps slammed a door outside in the hallway first, because yeah. Ellen does storm in directly afterwards. Yeah, yeah. That, I realized that, too. I thought, oh, that's Oliver doing that. Oh, actually, maybe it's just Ellen Possibly. Uh, storming through I, the office and slamming a door. But I do like it played as a uh, as an omen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I will move on to my rating. I agree with Amy that uh, this was of a, a nice return to the show. And I think the fact that there was a big gap in our podcast between the end of season one and the beginning of season two, as, as far as recording time goes. Yes. Because I, I watched this episode today. Yes. And I hadn't watched an episode of Slings and Arrows in, what, like two months or three months? Sure. So it did feel like there was a gap, especially since I'm used to the binge-watching environment that we of now Of course. <laughs> it did seem like there was a year-and-a-half gap between these two seasons, and it was kind of nice to kind of reconnect with characters that I hadn't seen in a while. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed that. that. That added to it, I felt. And I also feel, I don't know why, maybe it's because of the, the gap that happened or if this really is true, but I really do feel like this episode seems a lot more tighter or more well produced or more well written than the first epi- the first season did a lot there every once in a while the first season it was kind of off it didn't i don't know something just didn't sit well with me anyways i'm rambling um i will rate this one eight out of ten uh diamond chips 
which is what uh, I'm blanking on her name. Ellen referred to Stone Sloan's uh, diamond that was in his engagement ring. Yes. Which the fact that she would belittle it down to a chip of a diamond. I mean, the dude sold his Kawasaki. Kawasaki. Yeah, which you know, I don't really give a shit about motorcycles, but for people that are really into them, to sell your motorcycle is a very big move. It'd be like selling one of my guitars. I could never do that. And I, yeah. I suspect you get more than a chip for a, for a Kawasaki as well. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. So and it also kind of feeds that line, just fed into the vanity of Ellen. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's eight out of ten. That's what I'm giving this episode. I really enjoyed it. All right. Um, I will give it uh, also an eight out of ten. I, I think that this episode, um, and of course, you know, I, I, I know what happens later in the season, but I, I, I know, and it is obvious to anyone, I'm sure, that the episode is doing a lot of legwork to uh, to wrap up the uh, the first season, which was you know originally intended to be its own wrap up, and you know to, to wrap it up and then to 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 you know. Stage. To unravel a couple of threads to put into the next thing, but also to to send off characters that uh, that they don't really have a need for in what's coming ahead. So I, I think it really does a, a a good job of in a in a tight forty two minute or forty three minute uh, episode to uh, to to get all of that stuff uh, through, as well as to just uh, present the uh, some of the conflicts that are coming uh, in the uh, coming season. Uh, so I give it an eight out of ten pennies to the forehead. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good one. Right. <laughs> All right. And if I don't know if uh, anybody has any further predictions for the course of the uh, season to come. Um, well, Jack's Jack's completely gone, right? Like that's pretty much. I mean, Rachel McAdams leaving, so he is probably leaving too. That actor. Yes, he's he's, he's under contract. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think Luke Kirby particularly was. Uh, was in high demand and, and unavailable, but obviously right. they, they they chose to take both of them out. Oh, the I bet time. I bet if they could if I bet you Luke Kirby was hoping they would write him into it so that he could continue to act as an I, actor. Well, I think that that Jack is also gone for good, and I think that um, that they'll continue this whole Macbeth mirroring thing. What happened to the other actress who got stoned with? Claire. Or no, Claire. Claire's her name. Yeah, Claire. Claire was her name, yeah. Claire and Kate. Yeah, Claire. They didn't even mention question. her, did they? No. They didn't. You're right. I Which, wonder... Well, I know I, I, I know uh, the uh, the real-life actress um, is, in fact, in real life, married to the director of every single episode of Slings and Arrows. It is one director, Peter Wellington, and she is married to him. So I'm sure she would have been available if they decided to write her in. Hmm. So she's not out specifically because the actress was unavailable. Right. Well, maybe she'll come back. That's right. As far as we know, she's still with the company unless there's been a big shakeup on the board, which we don't know for sure if all the same board members are there or not. So Yes, we don't know. As far as we know, she still belongs to yes. the company. Maybe she might be one of the people who Jeffrey cuts if he's going to cut people. Yes. So let's make that a prediction, put that on, on the table as a prediction. Sure. That we are going to see her uh, being cut as in addition to Brian. Okay. You think Brian's really going to get cut? I think that that character oh. was introduced and will 
be with us through this season. Actually, very good point. You're right. I think that he will be the antagonist uh, to Jeffrey. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. Him and or Moira will probably be the oh, yeah. antagonists. Plural. They'll take the place of uh, Richard and Holly from the last. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. Also, no May. Did May die? No. She did well, die, the last right? we heard, the last we heard, people talking about her in the last episode of the first season, they mentioned her being in a coma. Yes, and I, I, I do not believe she gets mentioned again, uh, which is somewhat, no, so, somewhat unfortunate. I don't, I don't know. She, she really represented uh, sort of the old guard, I suppose, in the first season, and she's not necessarily necessary in this season, I suppose. I, I, I suspect that might, that may have been a, uh, a an actress get uh, that they weren't able to accomplish, or it could be that they didn't write her in, as much as they didn't write in uh, uh, Claire. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, are we ready for our assignment for next time? Sure. Yep. Okay. Your assignment for next time is the episode, season two, episode two, Fellow Time. Yep. The time between seasons of yes. the show. Indeed. Of the theater festival, time? I mean. Fellow Time. <laughs> it is much, much like uh, uh, Fellow Time in, in uh, terms of crops. Uh, okay, okay. Lying fallow, yes. I thought I thought you said Othello. Yeah, time. no, no, no. Fa- fallow time with okay. a, with an F. And so with that, um, Ben, where where else can we find you online? Ah, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Living on the Air. Uh, you can find me on my other podcast that I do, which is called Enumeration. It is a once monthly podcast in which we do a show on lists. Uh, the one that I'm editing right now actually features uh, one Paul Mackey of the Ghost Life podcast. Yes. Uh, we're, we're hashing out our favorite uh, time travel stories. And you can find us on iTunes or at enumerationpodcast.tumblr.com. And, of course, Enumeration also features, from earlier in this episode, Mr. Alexander Green. Oh, yeah, that's my co-host. There you go. Used to be my uh, roommate when I lived in the Queen City. Yes. The Porkopolis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, Amy, uh, where else can we find you online? Well, you can. I'm on Twitter as Amy Bowen, A M Y B O W E N, and I am on nanorimo.org. I there doesn't seem to be a public link to individual user profiles that I can dig up, but I am on there. This is my ninth year, and I. Most of the time, most of my NaNoWriMo's are inspired by whatever show or book or whatever I happen to be into that that year. Yes. So this year it's the this year it's Slings and Arrows. Oh, very good. Nice. <laughs> so it involves a theater company and Shakespeare productions and lots of other stuff. And I, you can, my username on NaNoWriMo.org is Emiko E M I K O. And again, I'm on Twitter as at Amy Bowen, and I have a domain, but I don't use it. Yes, yet. and uh, and you can find me at uh, on Twitter as uh, Really Big Things, and um, you can also find me and uh, and I I should hazard to say uh, Amy Bowen as well um, in the discussion boards at uh, www.jackmangan.com. That is the deadpan discussion boards. Um, the Deadpan podcast has uh, has reached its uh, too gross limit. Uh, <laughs> it's coming up uh, as by the time this airs, most likely has aired its uh, 288th episode. Um, 
but uh, the the discussion boards will go on, and uh, and I'm sure that you can find either of us there on a uh, on a semi regular basis as well. Oh yes, I. Yes, are they going to do two hundred? Oh, sorry. Sure. So go ahead, Amy. Are we going to do two hundred and eighty-eight? Yes, we are. In fact, I'm checking the site now to see if we have. Uh, no, well, no, that's, that's what I'm wondering. Is he? Are you all going to stop at two eighty-seven? No, two eighty-two. That'll yeah. be the last uh, one. Or are you no. going to make the two gross episodes? Yes, the two gross episode is is coming. Um, we we did an unshow this week, I believe. Well, we uh, Jack did an unshow this week. Right. So uh, an unshow is a non-actual episode. So the the next actual episode that comes out next week, most likely, is episode 288. Well, can he just do um, multiple unshows and just keep it going and never do his 288? In, <laughs> in theory. I, but this, this has been foreshadowed for so long that actually most likely what's going to happen instead is it's going to be episode 288. And uh, as as Jack has told us, uh, it, it's, it's not really the end. It's the end of, of regular production and full episodes. But... Uh, Anytime Jack decides he's got some extra stuff to say or uh, or perform or th- drop some music on the feed or anything like that, that, that that'll continue to be a uh, a podcast that's available. But uh, in terms of organized episodes, two eighty eight is the end. Yep, and but I yes, Paul, I will continue to be on the discussion boards. And I a, found it. Yes. Go ahead. No, I was going to say and and. Uh, and as I said, uh, by the time this airs, most likely that uh, 288th episode will have posted. Mm-hmm. I found it. The directory structure is nanorimo.org slash participants, with an S, plural, slash emiko, E-M-I-K-O. So that's my public NaNoWriMo account profile. Oh, very good. Nice. I'll pro- you can follow my word count. I'll probably post an excerpt at some point. All right. Well, with that, I am going to say uh, so good night from uh, from Minnesota. Good night. Uh, this is Paul Mackey, and this is Amy Bowen, and good night from Omaha, Nebraska. And this is Ben Pfeiffer. Uh, good night from Planet Earth. Macbeth is crazy. Lady Macbeth is sexy. King Duncan is silly. Prince Malcolm's a dolly. Banquo's got an apple. Macduff finds Duncan dead. The Ghostlight Podcast and many other fine podcasts can be found at quadruplez.com. You can send your own feedback to us in a number of ways. We are on Twitter at GhostlightPC. Find us at facebook.com slash groups slash ghostlightpodcast. Please keep discussion there spoiler-free. If you want to comment on future episodes, the newbies don't check the phone or email. Call our voicemail line, 206-309-9389, or email us, theghostlightpodcast at gmail.com. The theme music for Season 2 is Macbeth on Broadway by Jonathan Mann and is used by permission. Find out about all of Jonathan's work at jonathanmann.com. Macbeth is king for a little while, but he's driven slowly mad. Haunted by the ghosts of those he's slain. Yep, I'm ready. You can start whenever you want. Alright, hey Fox. This is for the cats. If they are if they start arguing like that again, squirt them. Got it? Got it. Alright, you're on a mission. You got it, dude. Alright. <clears throat> okay. Um continue. I'm going to make this an edit point because I've just realized that we didn't do the recap at the beginning of the episode. Right. We were supposed to do that. Yes. I was prepared for it. Not really prepared, of course, but... Yes, well... You know, I was expecting it. So I will will, uh, introduce that now. 
Um, did I write that in here at all? I don't think I, I, don't think I really wrote any notes for it, but I will, uh, I will wing it. With the other two. Bye. Bye. That wasn't awkward or anything. It was weird. <laughs> that was just weird. All right. I'll stop. <laughs>